Our speaker today is the husband of a wonderful woman who works with youth here, known as Pastor Blondie. They are parents to three great sons, one of whom is named Noah. So we have the father of Noah here today. <laughs> we have Joshua's father here and David's father here today. And he's just a great man in the secular realm. He has worked from pretty much coast to coast, everything from mortgage banking to tree trimming. He's also the son-in-law of Winnie Durning. Dr. Kennedy, come right on, brother. It's such an honor just to stand here in this place, in this pulpit. Your pastor has allowed me for the last two years to sit on the second row in anonymity. Hasn't asked me to do anything. Just let me rest. Well, I've got bad news for you. The rest is over. I walked this building this morning praying in the Spirit and asked the Holy Spirit to grab hold of you this morning and to make you uncomfortable. Because a place of comfort to God's people is a place of nothing. God never promised us comfort. Do you know even when we get to heaven, we're going to have work we have to do? There's no laying around playing a harp. If you think that's what heaven's about, you need to read the Word. Amen? I'm ready this morning. I spent the last two hours listening to Charles Stanley and Jensen Franklin. Now, if that don't light you fire, your wood's wet. Amen? Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. That's on page 22 if you have the right Bible. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, really, wouldn't it be great if all the Bibles had the same page numbers? Huh? Man, you could find Obadiah. Nahum. Nahum? That's a book of the Bible? The title of the message this morning, if you're keeping notes, and I hope you do, is called A Place Called Yonder. A Place Called Yonder. Genesis 22.1 says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. I've lost something. There we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be Abraham, the one who received the promise, the one who's the father of us all? But we see time and time and time and time and time again where it says God tested Abraham. I hope this bothers your comfort zone. Because if we are going to be men and women of God, we have to understand that God is going to test us. That God is going to allow things to come into our lives which make us uncomfortable. That God is going to allow us to go over to a place called yonder. He said to him, Abraham. He was talking to his friend. 
When I call your pastor up on the phone, you know what? I call him by his name. You know why? I know him. And he knows me. I know his name. I love that song. He knows my name. Because Abraham, the Bible says, was a friend to God. So what did God do because Abraham was a good friend? He allowed tragedy to come into his life. Why? So that we could learn that serving God is not about being comfortable. Amen? Somebody say amen. I'm preaching better than you're amen and amen. And Abraham said, here I am. Here I am, Lord. What did Adam say when God called Adam's name? Adam hid in the bushes. But Abraham, after all he'd been through, when God calls his name, says, here I am. Here I am. I wonder if Abraham knew that Saying to God, here I am, meant here it comes. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day. Oh, I wish I could stop about two hours and preach right there. On the third day. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys, King James says, while I and the boy go over yonder. I don't know about you, but my grandma used to use that phrase. I said, Grandma, where are we going? We're going right over yonder. What is that place called yonder? It is a place that if we are... Really going to serve God, we must go. See, but the sad thing is that the reason we have most of the, of the social problems that we have in America today is because the church has failed this nation. Because preachers have refused to stand up and call sin, sin. Come on now. Because preachers have decided it's easier to become comfortable than it is to be a prophet of God and say sin is sin and wrong is wrong. We have failed. Now the good news is, anytime we fail, God gives us an opportunity to succeed. Did you know God will never leave you in failure? Somebody ought to write that down. God will never leave you in failure. Man, I've failed so much. I, I, if there's a dumb thing in the world you could do, I believe I've done it. He said, we will go over yonder. 
What is that place called yonder? That place called yonder is where each of us must go to find that one thing that only we can do that God wants done. A place called yonder. Notice, first of all, that without a test, there is no testimony. There is no testimony. My little granddaughter, who just turned five, called me the other night on the phone. And she said, Pops! I said, what's going on? She said, I gave my heart to Jesus. I just want to cry. You know how it happened? Vacation Bible School. I gave my heart to Jesus. Great grandmother, grandmother, mother, five year old baby girl. Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus. That place called yonder is a place where there will be a test. Amen? You know, if you go back over to Genesis chapter 12, is where God unloaded His blessings on Abraham. Man, He backed up F-450 dump truck up and just unloaded on the boy. He said, I'll bless you coming and going. I'll bless you day and night. I'll bless everything you touch. I'll give you everything everywhere you go. I will make you a blessed man. And religion would say to us, how many works do we have to do to receive that blessing? Because God said to Abraham, all you have to do is walk uprightly before me and I will bless you. And then if you get over into the New Testament in Galatians in the fifth chapter, what does it say? It says, everything God promised Abraham is ours if we'll receive it. But there's going to be a test. We have had the... uh, uh, Christina Blondie, we call her. She's not offended by that, amen? Blondie was smarter than Dagwood was. Our our spiritual mentors, my, my spiritual father, my father, is a real well-known minister across the world. And so because of that and because of God allowing us to serve them, we have had the opportunity to meet many men and women who if we read a list off to you, you would know their names and say those people are great in the kingdom of God. But you know when you sit down in the cool of the afternoon and begin to talk to those people, Without exception, they talk about the tragedy that God has brought them through. The test. Because without a test, there is no testimony. Amen? He said in chapter 2, sacrifice him there in, in Moriah. 
as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. God did this to Abraham nearly every time Abraham opened his eyes. God said to Abraham, start walking. The Bible doesn't show us anywhere that Abraham ever asked, Lord, where am I going? Why? Because Abraham was a righteous man. He didn't have to worry about, well, I don't want to go to this restaurant because I might see somebody over there that I've had a conflict with. They don't like me and I don't like them. He simply said, put the left foot in front of the right and move on. We are blessed to have three sons. It it is a blessing, right, baby? Yeah, they're grown now and they're giving us grandchildren. Let me tell you, it's a blessing. And we have watched through their lives how God has dealt with them. Without a test, there's no testimony. Goes on to say, early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey. Have you noticed that Abraham didn't argue with God? Abraham didn't argue with God. He simply believed. He simply said, I'll do what God says do and I'll believe what God says. We get it messed up when what we want to do is figure out intellectually what God was trying to say. If you want your theology messed up, go hang out with some theologians. That's a dangerous spot. But we have to understand that if we are going to be faithful to God, what we must do is exactly what God says do. But the problem is, more than likely, what God tells us to do is the one thing that we don't want to do. I was saved when I was 12 years old at youth camp. Went around a big fire pit. The preacher, a guy named Tex Yearout, spoke about the fires of hell. And I sat there on the front row sweating and thought to myself, I'm smarter than that. And I gave my heart to Jesus. Fifty years later, I'm still trying to hear what God wants me to do next. That place called yonder is a place of testing. Amen? Testing's not comfortable, is it? I gotta tell you, I just soon uh uh have the day off as I would work. Amen? So early the next morning, it says he got up, he saddled his donkey, he took his two servants and his son. And uh, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offerings, for the place God told him about, on the third day, he looked up and he saw the place in the distance. I think numbers are significant in the Bible, don't you? The third day means something. I believe we're living in the third day. Of the kingdom of God on this earth. Amen. The interesting thing here to me is that it says Abraham took two of his servants and a donkey with him on this trip. His servants were men that he owned. 
they had no choice but to do what Abraham said do. He was their master. And I looked at this and I thought, why didn't Abraham sacrifice one of his servants? What would you have done? Can I just be honest with you? If I have to sacrifice somebody and it comes between your son and mine, I'm going to sacrifice yours. I don't want to sacrifice my son. But we have done just that. We have we had one of our sons who was just an idiot. Anybody else have a teenager like that? Tell the truth and shame the devil. Come on. And it got to a point where we said, God, we cannot deal with this anymore. I don't know what to do. He's yours. The Holy Spirit reminded me that we had dedicated him to the Lord when he was a small boy. So I said, Lord, this kid's not mine. He's yours. That means he's your problem, not mine. And we gave him to the Lord. And I told my wife, I said, I'm not praying anymore. I'm done. Through a set of circumstances, incarcerated, he found Jesus. Jesus reminded him who he was. He was in his place of yonder. His place of yonder was the jail. Now, let me tell you, I would rather go to the mountain than I would go to jail. Amen. I've, the only time I've ever been to jail was to visit my little brother. It doesn't look like a place I want to go. But why didn't Abraham sacrifice one of those servants? I submit to you that Abraham could not sacrifice an animal or a servant that he had ownership of. That he could only offer to God what God had given him. The only thing he could give to God was what God gave him. Isn't that what we do, Shake? Man, I love Brother Shake. I gotta tell you. We are, we may not look exactly the same, but, but we are brothers. Amen. We have had some fun traveling around. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go yonder. Now, watch what he said next. This is interesting. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, God has already told Abraham, I'm going to have you kill your son. And what does Abraham say? We will go worship, and then we will return. We did not mean a servant. He didn't have a servant with him. Listen. Worship. Oh, man, this is good. Shake by the tape, man. Worship is sacrificing our dignity to glorify God. When you are a parent of young men in their 20s, one thing that happens inevitably is that young women come along. 
And we have had the blessing recently of, of our son who's not married finding a young woman who is just an incredible young woman. And if I thought crossing fingers would help, I'd cross my fingers. Amen? But that's not how God works. And to watch that process. And it's funny because she grew up in a denominational life. You know, pews and hymnals. And so the, the guys, my sons, they pick at her all the time about that. If you don't have a strong will, you got no business being at the Kennedy house. Amen? Because unfortunately they take after their mother. But so we talk about, uh, she and I talk about doctrine. We talk about what we believe is the same and the couple of things where, you know, she just needs to get a little understanding about. Holy Ghost. But in doing that, it hit me that you cannot worship God with your hands in your pockets. I love the times we have service where I think if we sang one more verse, the Holy Ghost would blow this place apart. Amen, brother? It is dangerous to be in the midst of the will of God. So worship is literally sacrificing our dignity to glorify God. And my question to you this morning is, are you willing to go there? Are we willing to go there? Are we willing to look foolish to some people in order to be holy to God Almighty? I think I want to live there. Amen? So uh, Abraham goes and he, 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 he takes the donkey and he takes his son and he says, We will worship and then we will come back to you. Listen, sacrifice is worship. Now, we don't go around, we don't want to put somebody up on an altar and burn them. God didn't want that either. That wasn't what he wanted. What he wanted was Abraham's attention. What he wanted was to see what he already knew, that Abraham was faithful to God first and then to everything else. See, sometimes in American Christianity... We want to be faithful to other things before we're faithful to God. We don't want preachers anymore who step on our toes. Come on, somebody. We want preachers who make us feel good. I could spend about three hours here. We want to be comfortable. We are the generation of the entertained. I look at some churches today and wonder, dear God, what's going on there? I don't see the Holy Ghost anywhere. Can we use that word here? I know the Holy Ghost is there. I was talking to him this morning. He was praying through me to God the Father. I said, God, burn this place up. Set it on fire. Make us all uncomfortable. Amen? We will go over yonder. Then in verse 6 says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Do you think by now Isaac said, uh, Dad, 
What's going on, man? What's going on? But what the Bible shows us here about Isaac is that Isaac did what his father told him to do. Why? Because time after time after time after time, he had seen his father do what God the Father wanted him to do. Listen, guys, we don't have to be perfect dads. If you're a dad, you've done dumb stuff. Amen? But what we do have to do is through what we do, teach them how to obey God. How to live with God. My middle son, David's wife, Courtney, came up to me one day and she said, I just want to thank you for teaching your son how to be a husband. How to be a husband. wasn't anything I said to him. It was what we did. My wife and I decided early on that we would not hide our affection for one another. And so our sons through the years have seen our affection, our love for one another. And in so doing, that models for them how they ought to act. Part of the tragedy in American society today is there are so few fathers around to teach young men what to do. I mean, young men think affection sex. That's wrong. That's wrong. But Isaac did exactly what Abraham said to him. Now, he was a little confused. Amen? Because he says here, as the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up. No kidding. And said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He had seen sacrifice before. Abraham answered, God himself. <laughs> Listen, did you know that faith is the answer to our test? Watch this. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God didn't tell him that. What God told him was he's going to put his son on some rocks, throw some wood over him, and burn him to death. But Abraham says God himself will provide. It's interesting to me how men of faith can do such great things when what they're doing is what God wants them to do. Remember Caleb? Pastor missed part of my uh, lineage. He said that I was Winnie Durning's son-in-law. But before he went on to glory, I was Ed Durning's son-in-law. And those of you who knew the colonel knew that he wasn't about to take any static off anybody. 
And when I read about Caleb in the Old Testament, Joshua 14, 12. <laughs> it just reminded me of the old colonel. Watch this. He said, now he's in his 80s. And he says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This guy's gray headed. He's old. And yet he's still strong. He can still see. And he says, just let me at him. Did you know in the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as retirement? I, I'm so blessed that uh, my uncle, my dad's brother, his name is L.D. Kennedy. He is a retired Southern Baptist pastor. He is 91 years old and still preaches almost every Sunday. Man, that old man can preach the paint off the walls. Why? Because he's lived with God so long. In, in, in 1 Samuel, we see Jonathan, uh, 1 Samuel 14.6, uh, uh, he says, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. What can hinder the Lord from what he wants done? Nothing. Nothing. But Lord, you don't understand. I'm sick. I'm diseased. I've got problems. My, my family hates me. I don't know what to do. Nothing will hinder the Lord. From what he wants done. Amen. Listen. Faith is about the future. It's about the future. In, 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 David said in 1 Samuel 17.37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Remember this is when he's getting ready to put it to Goliath. Will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And King Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. This kid, this the Bible says he's ruddy in appearance. And yet he goes and fights the giant everybody else is afraid of. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand up on this earth. Can we grasp hold of that this morning, that in our place of yonder, we know that our Redeemer lives? Amen? Now, look what happened. Abraham binds his son up. He's got the wood ready. He's got the knife in his hand. And he's really ready to sacrifice his son on that altar. And just as he pulls the knife back and gets ready to ram it down into his son... The angel of God says, Abraham. Just when he's proving to God that he will do anything God asks him to do, the angel of God goes, hang on. See, God didn't want Abraham's boy. 
God wanted Abraham's obedience. His obedience. Maybe God wanted Abraham's obedience to show to Isaac what an obedient man of God was. Because Isaac would go through later on some of the same issues that his father went through. Verse 12, he said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You have not withheld from me your only son. Listen, God didn't want Isaac. God wanted Abraham to be willing to sacrifice that one thing that he loved the most. When our first son, Noah, was born, something went wrong. And the doctors couldn't figure it out. They put the baby uh, on, on, in the, the intensive care nursery hooked him up to all kinds of wires and tubes and everything else. This kid's nine pounds and he's in a nursery where most of the babies you could hold in your hand. But something was, something was wrong. They soon discovered that the issue was not the baby. The issue was with the mama. And something had happened, something had gone wrong, and nobody, no doctor, no nurse, no intern, nobody in that hospital could figure out how to save my wife's life. My mother-in-law, Winnie, came from San Diego, came to where we lived. She and I took the baby home, and Mama stayed in the hospital. And the doctor is saying to us, We don't know what's wrong and we don't know. We're not sure we can save her. That next day was Sunday and we went to church, Winnie and I and the baby. And during the middle of praise and worship shake, put my hands in the air. God spoke to me and he said, I can take her if I want to. And I just... I just broke right there. I said, oh, God, don't take her from me. I need her. The very next day, this little doctor from a foreign land came through. The doctors had told us she may not live. Came through and said, I've seen that before. Pray for my earpiece. The little doctor said, I've seen that before. I know what that is. And so they began to treat it by what this this little doctor had said do. And it's obvious that she recovered. Amen? But she could have died that night. And God wanted me to know that she was not mine. She was his. We look at those around us. We look at our children and our grandchildren. Oh, I got to spend all day yesterday with my little 11-month-old grandson, Zachary. And I just hold him and cry. Realizing that he's, I say he's mine, but he's not mine. 
He belongs to the Lord. Amen. He belongs to the Lord. And Abraham knew that about Isaac and Isaac understood. So in verse 14, it says, so Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. First time in the scriptures, Jehovah Jireh was used. Amen. So we know that without a test, there's no testimony. We know that faith is the answer to testimonies. And then lastly, we know that we have to renew our covenant with God. Look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said. Now, you have to understand here, when this says the angel of the Lord, it's not talking about an angel. Amen. When it says the angel of the Lord, in this instant, it is talking about God himself. Why? Watch this. He said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. The Bible says God swore by himself because there's nothing else God could swear by because he is all too old. He is the great I am. And so he said, I swear by myself. In other words, if this doesn't happen, I'm not God. The creator of the universe says, if this doesn't happen, what I say, then I'm not God. What does Philippians 4.19 say? Does anybody know? And my God. My God. See, I, I can't tell you about anybody else's God. <laughs> but I can tell you about my God. And my God will supply all my needs. According to who's in the White House. No. Dear God, thank you for that. And my God will supply all my needs. What? Come on. According to his riches in glory. Not even his riches on this planet. Not even his riches in the entire universe. But his riches in glory. That's what God promises by to you and I. If we will serve him, he will bless us. Amen. Listen, we, we need to understand who we are. Amen. I could go on for an hour, but I'm going to stop right there. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Folks, we got to figure out who we are. If you ask me who ask me who I am. Huh? Who are you? I'm the one Jesus loves. <laughs> I'm the one Jesus loves. I know you, you know who you are. You're the one Jesus loves. See, Where is your yonder? Yonder is that place that makes us uncomfortable. 
I had a pastor one time. I went and I did a revival at his church. And another pastor friend of mine told me, he said, man, he didn't like you. I thought, well, I'll never go there again. Won't get invited there again. I said, why not? He said, you made him very uncomfortable. (laughs) Shake, help me out, will you, brother? Where is your yonder? Even better than that, what is your yonder? What is it that we have in our life that emotionally we just don't want to get rid of? You know, we we hide our yonder sometimes pretty well. People around us don't know that here's our yonder. Let's just pray. Can we just pray a minute? Father God bring us to that place called yonder that place of testing that place of testimony (laughs) and that place of renewed covenant with you Bring us to that place called yonder. Help us to be faithful in doing the uncomfortable thing that you are asking us to do. That place where we know that the testing fires of God that place called yonder. Bring us there. Now, I just want to ask you this morning, where is your place called yonder? Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you know that you're supposed to be doing more than you're doing or different than what you're doing. But you just don't know how to get to that place. If that's you, I, I'm not going to drag you up front and embarrass you. But just Would you just slip your hand up and say, you know what? Would you pray for me that I can find yonder? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Father, these that have their hands raised right now, Lord, this is serious stuff. We're not fooling around. We're not playing. Help them to find that place called yonder in their hearts. Father, reveal to them, even this day, your prophetic vision for their life. Help them, Father, not to be fearful, but to know that if a test comes, it's because God is going to bring us through it. Father, as the old 
gospel hymn says, what God will not keep us from, He will keep us through. He will keep us to our place of yonder and beyond. Now, Father, I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit continue to talk to each of us about that place called yonder. I want more of you.